Hey everybody, welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so happy to have J.L. Rothstein, otherwise known as Jen, here on the podcast today. Uh, We get to talk about so many different things. Uh, We talk about our experiences with the Twitter book community and marketing and writing and storytelling and all of those things. So if you are interested in hearing our chat, grab a cup of tea or your favorite beverage and keep listening. Hi, Jennifer. Hello. It is nice to see your face. I know everybody else can't, but it's nice. I I have the best time recording this podcast every week because I have all of these friends from Twitter that I don't really see their faces. And so getting to like video chat with everybody and um, all of that is super fun for me. Yes, that's fantastic. Twitter is an amazing place. It really is. I have, I've been on Twitter for years and only just recently, only just last year, discovered the writing community and book community and all of that. And um, I know I talk about it practically every episode, just how much I love everybody and how welcoming yeah. everybody was. And and they were just, I mean, so many people were just like, oh, a new book blogger. Okay, you can be my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was just, it's been just so amazing getting to meet so many really wonderful authors and other book bloggers and all of that. It's just been fantastic. So yeah, the writing community has been super supportive. I don't think I could be where I am today without them and without their help. And um, yeah, I think anybody that comes into that is actually quite shocked. You know, it's not what you think of when you think of Twitter. Like no. When you think of Twitter, you think of sort of a, a a wild, wild west, scary place. And then you come into the writing community, and it's the exact opposite. It For me, when I, when I first joined Twitter years ago and then gave it up just like a couple of months later, if even that, um, it was very political and very yeah. salesy and just not, not my thing. And... Mm-hmm. Then I tried the whole Facebook thing, and Facebook was great for a while, and I did the MySpace thing. How old am I, right? (laughs) (laughs) Loved MySpace. I was really sad when MySpace went away, and, you know, then tried Facebook, and Facebook was okay for a while, and then it just kind of got really political and salesy. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, but at the same time, you know, I was like, I'm starting a new blog, and I'm starting a new home-based business, and... You know, I need to be able to find my people and find my tribe. And Twitter was, you know, I just kind of on a whim one day just decided to go hunting for people and found all of you guys. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, so I've just, I found my tribe. I found my people. They're just as weird (laughs) as I am. This is great. (laughs) And, you know, so Twitter, you know, as long as I keep, you know, the politics, I know some people yeah. are political and I get that. I don't judge you for it. That is not me. I just want to go on Twitter and I just want to talk about books and I yeah. want to talk about my life and I want to talk about the Afghans I'm crocheting and <laughs> share pictures. <laughs> and, you know, I, that's what I want to do when I go on Twitter. I don't want to talk politics. So yeah, it's just, it's been a wonderful experience for me and, you know, authors like you are are a huge reason why. So I'm very grateful. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. It's, it's, this is wonderful to be able to talk uh, face to face and to be able to chit chat about books and storytelling and this whole world that we're a part of all the time. And and so I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, okay, so quick question. I see your um, poster in the back. That's very yes. cool. Um, is that is Heaven Sent your debut book? Yes. Or yeah. Debut? yeah, so it's a series. So Heaven Sent is the name of the series, and Atonement is book one in the series. And uh, the second book is coming out at the end of April. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, okay, can you tell us a little bit about Atonement, just real quick? Sure. So um, I... I love the concept of heaven and hell, um, angels and demons, and that sort of fantasy genre. And, you know, I always find myself reading a book thinking, you know, what would I like better about this? Or what, what did I love about this? What did I not love about this? 
And I said, you know, I, I, I'm going to write a book that I would want to read. And so I wrote um, a story about nine siblings who are down here on earth fighting and pushing back against um, health influence. And the books, the series of books, it's a trilogy. It's going to focus, each book is going to focus on one of the, the three sisters. And Atonement is really the story of Genevieve O'Mara searching for her husband who disappeared 40 years ago. So nice. it, we really get to learn about her and we get to learn about the siblings and, and about the world and introduction to the world. And it was just really fun to write and publishing it. Uh, was difficult, as I'm sure most indie authors will will tell you about their trials and tribulations about self-publishing. But you know, again, just finding the Twitter Twitter um, group uh, of authors and even the smaller one that's out on Instagram has just been so amazing and so supportive. And it, and this year, as tough as it was for many many reasons, that was probably the one bright spot that came out for me is being able to put that book out and and find um, to find those groups on both Twitter and Instagram. That, yeah, that's, I, I see so many authors struggling going the self-publishing route, but yet I, I see a lot of the self-published authors saying they're glad they did. And I would just like to tell authors like you who are self-published, we are glad you did too. Readers, (laughs) you know, especially readers like me who have found the indie world of books. I read hardly any mainstream books anymore. Um, I'm in the middle of a series. I'm in the middle of a series right now that's pretty mainstream. Um, And I started reading these authors because they're actually from my hometown. Um, So they're, but they're pretty much the only mainstream authors I think that I have read in the past probably four or five months at least um because I you know once I found the indie world of books I I just really appreciate those stories for me they're more real you know they're Mm -hmm. more you know I get to see into the mind of an author better than I would if the author were just this far off unattainable thing, you know? And, you know, and I read, I read any books by authors that I am not following on Twitter. You know, I just, I have just found that I prefer the self-published and the indie published books you know. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read as many as I have since I put my book out. I mean, I had no idea um, just how large that community was and how many people uh, were self-publishing. And there's just such an appreciation. I mean, I'm, I'm sure like many other self-published authors that you've talked to is um, after you go through that that process, you really come to appreciate all the pieces that go into putting a book out. You really are um, everything. You are your art critic. You are um, your advertiser and your marketing person on the back of the book blurb. You are your publicist while you're out there on social media, on Twitter and on Instagram. And so you really come away with a real appreciation for the whole entire process from beginning to end. Yeah. And you learn a lot along the way that I don't think that you would learn if you went a traditional publishing route. I don't think that you would touch a lot of those things. I don't think that you would have the control that you have as an indie author to to control what something looks like, to control your brand, to control how you want to promote. So I think there are a lot of advantages, but obviously the toughest part is is selling. You've got to put mm-hmm. yourself out there. You've got to build up that brand. You've got to be patient. It's not something that, you know, you're going to put it out there and people are going to buy 5,000 books. It's just most likely not going to happen. You may never sell 5,000 of those those books. It's, it's really about embracing that path and and embracing the fact that this is a career right you're not going to just if, if your intent is to put a book out and I've talked to many people about this is to put a book out and hope that you sort of get rich off of that and then you walk away and you retire early like that's that's not happening I mean even in the publishing world they'll tell you that you know getting published is like winning the lottery and becoming a New York Times bestseller is the jackpot of the lottery winners like if we put it in that that way it, it 
you get to understand much more about how that whole process works and just how many people are putting content out there. But yeah, I was really surprised at how much good material is out there that's self-published. It's definitely worth looking into. It's definitely worth taking a chance um, and downloading that book and reading it. There's just so much, so much good stuff out there. Well, and it, and it helps your budget too. I I hate, you know, and I hate to see it. I I hate to see it that way, but you know, indie and self-published books, they're cheaper. They just are, they're less expensive. And, you know, I talked with somebody in another episode, somebody had asked on Twitter if, um, I think it was like, is $10 too much to charge for an indie book? And I commented and I said, you know, I, I will pay $10 for a book, for a self-published book. I will, but I'm going to expect a lot. Yeah. You know, because I, I'm also going to pay $10 for a mainstream published book, for a traditionally published book. But again, I'm going to expect a lot Yeah. So if I buy a book that's 99 cents, I will buy it, I will read it, and I will probably enjoy it. But I'm not going to expect every single page to be error free. Yeah. I'm I'm going to expect the fact that you did not hire a professional editor or a professional proofreader for that 99 cent book. I will, again, yep. I'll pay $5 for an indie book. I, I will pay that. But I'm going to expect a certain level of error-freeness, for lack right. of a better <laughs> phrase, you know, in your book. So charge, you know, and this is, this is to indie authors coming from a reader like me and a book blogger, charge what you think your book is worth, but... Make sure your book is worth it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. You know, yeah, no, it's, it's def- it definitely does. I mean, I, I've done my own um, little author interview series that that's out on YouTube, and I've talked to many authors about this. I'm sure the question about is ten dollars too much sparked a lot of controversy on Twitter. I'm sure it sparked a lot of different commentary. Um, but to be honest, it's really hard to come out, to be unknown. And to come out with your first book or even your second second book and try to justify a ten dollar price price tag, no matter how good it is, even if you are um, a specialistic grammar and and even if you are a fantastic storyteller, I think it's a really tough sell. I think you have to earn it. You know, there's a certain relationship that you're you are embarking on between you and the reader, right? And this is the way you have to think about it as an author. You're you're beginning a relationship and you're building a certain amount of trust. I think coming right out of the gate. And charging $10, whether it ends up being worth it or not, is a really tough sell um, when there's so much material out there for less by people that they know and trust, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that if you look at it more that way, where over time, and I've told this to other authors, you know, put your first book out at at $0.99, $1.99. You know, somewhere in that vein and go up a dollar each time. If people are following you and reading you and you're growing your readership, you're building that trust and they're coming with you um, as you go along. I think it's a, it's a much better piece of advice in in the $10 price book. I mean, yes, that all sounds good, but you're probably not selling very many books um, at that oh, price nice. book. And really what you want, what I really want is for more people to read it, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're going to continue to write books. You're going to continue to to have books in the future. You can worry about that. And I hate to say that, like worry about money later, but you almost have to have that thought process, just like starting a business. If you started a business tomorrow, I don't think that you would be in the right mindset if you were expecting it right out of the gate to be profitable. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to be talking about building that business up. You're investing in your first several years of business. The money comes later. And this is no different when you're embarking on this world um, in the indie author world. And I think if you have that mindset, you'll do much better. Um, And you'll be a lot less disappointed, right? Because you charge a $10 price book and you don't sell any books and now you're all upset and you're thinking, should I keep going? Should I write another book? What's going to happen when I write the other book? So I think that if you can change your mindset and live with that and accept that, you'll be much better off 
um, going forward. Well, and I think that, and that is very good advice. Um, and I think that taking that advice even into something like um, the candle business that I want to start, yeah. you know, it's, you know, I, I have heard, you know, take the cost of supplies and multiply it by this amount and take how long, yeah. you know, take how long it, you know, takes you to make something and charge that, you know, charge $8 an hour for that. But I think that that having that mindset um, actually makes a lot of sense in that, you know, if I charge a little bit less now and build that trust with those clients and with the customers, then eventually I can raise my prices and people will still continue to pay that because they'll have that trust with me. I, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I hope a lot of authors are listening. <laughs> um, so uh, you had mentioned earlier something about wanting to talk about storytelling. Um, what first question, what did you mean by that? And second question, let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think. The art of storytelling is something that, as a writer, you're always working on, right? You, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily come to you right away. And I think finding the way you tell a story develops over time. So if you read someone's first book and you read their fifth book and then their tenth book, the way they tell that story, you know, there'll be some things that are ingrained that are truly them, but generally it changes over time. And so I think that looking at that like an art and looking at that like it's fluid because it is, is very, is, is very different for people. It's not what people necessarily think of when they talk about um, sitting down to write a book. And one of the things that always makes me smile is when I, you know, and I read bestselling authors, just like everybody else that's out there. Um, you come to expect a certain thing from a particular author. You know, if I'm reading Stephen King, I have a certain expectation in my mind. If I'm reading Nora Roberts, I have a certain expectation in my mind when I'm reading them. And it's funny when I hear people say, oh, that book just didn't read like her, or that book just didn't read like him, or, or something changed or something was different. But it would make sense to me when we start talking about storytelling is you're evolving, and it really is an art form, and you are going to adapt and change a little bit as it goes along. So it's been very interesting to me, even for myself, seeing the the finished product of book two and how it's already a little different than the finished product um, of, of book one and seeing that your own growth in there. And I think that that's one of the best parts for me is the fact that I realize that I'm learning still as I move along through this process, through the storytelling process. And, you know, I'm so looking forward to see where does this go, even just in the trilogy, even just in the in the third book. But it's it's an interesting art form. And I think a lot of people don't look at it like that. I think a lot of people don't look at it as an art form, but it truly is. Yeah, um, I yeah, I can see that um, kind of I can't draw to save my life. Neither can I. <laughs> I can't, you know, I can't pick up my laptop and write a story. That that is just it is not where my skill set lies. Mm-hmm. I love going to an art museum and seeing other people's drawings, quote unquote, you know, and I love reading other people's stories that they have created, even though I can't create them for myself. And, and I, and I, for the longest time, I was so sad that I couldn't draw. And I used to just kind of kick myself, I guess, for lack of a better word, for not being able to create those wonderful stories that, you know, cause I've been a bookworm my entire life. I learned mm-hmm. to read when I was three. My mom was a bookworm. My sister yep. and I were just, we were just raised on books, you know, as yep. we were homeschooled and as part of our education, we went to the library every two weeks. So, you know, I've just, I've been a reader my entire life yep. and you know, but at the same time, I would, I would feel almost less than, and I, and I hate to say it that way, but I did 
and I'm just being completely honest, I used to feel less than because I couldn't create those stories. I would try and I would fail miserably. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I would be able to, you know, build a world or describe a world in wonderful detail. And then when I got to the dialogue part, it would just all fall apart. <laughs> and, you know, but being a book blogger and being a reviewer and, you know, being a writing community supporter, that is, that is where my skills lie mm-hmm. is yep. enjoying the books that you guys have created for me. Um, <laughs> I'm just, yeah. honest, they're, you've made them for me. It's, you know, <laughs> and, you know, but taking those stories and appreciating them and helping to show them to the world, you yep. know, is that is, that's where my skills lie. And that is what I enjoy doing. That is, sure. you know, and we need the writing community needs all of us. Yeah. You know, it's you, sure. If everyone was an author, the world would be so boring. <laughs> if everyone was a reader, what would we read? You know, eventually we would run out of books, you know. And so I think that we all need all of us Mm -hmm. because there's, you know, people like me who excel at one thing, one, you know, one aspect of the marketing. And then there's people like you who excel at the other part. And then there's people, you know, like Warbala Branch on Twitter that, you know, she excels in the editing process and, you know, then Cassandra Thompson who excels in the publishing aspect. So we need all of us. And, you know, I, I think that that is what makes our community so wonderful is that we all support everyone, no matter where they fit in that process and where they fit in that cycle of sending a book into the world. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people think it's mostly authors, and there are a great number of authors out there, but it is a collaborative mix. There is definitely, there are definitely multiple people who excel at one thing or another, and it truly is a community um, in that way. But it's interesting to me, and I, you know, I haven't been in this, you know, that was my debut book. So, so what I do to actually pay the bills is I'm an accountant. So it's a very different world, right? Not thought of a lot to be a creative person, right? If you're if you're numbers crunching. I work in social services. I totally get it. So yeah, (laughs) yeah. So a lot of people don't think that that's a creative piece, but obviously I have that. And I think um, maybe you need to look inside and look at where you are creatively. Maybe that's the first question you ask yourself, right? When you Mm want to be part of this world or whatever world, um, whatever uh, group on Twitter or, or Facebook or Instagram that you're attracted to is, you know, where am I creative? You know, where, where is that? Where is my, not only my skill set, but where I have a passion for something, you know, obviously you're a creative person, maybe not with writing, but you're a creative person. The fact that you're crocheting that takes creativity. You know, I crochet, I make baby blankets, you know, it takes a lot of creativity um, to crochet and you're out there talking about candles and, and possibly opening up, a business in candles, you know, that it takes a certain creativity to, to do that. So it's there. It's just, where is it? Right. We're all searching for like, where is that? And where is that right balance between what I love and what I'm passionate for and what my skill set is at? And how do I turn this into something that makes me maybe a little bit more independent, right? Where possibly in the long term, um, I could make a living at this. Right. I think that's where we're sort of all stepping towards, which gives us a common goal that we can all share that doesn't put us in competition with one another. And I think that that's the unique part about being out there. Yeah. And you know, I, I have never seen, and this is one thing again, that I love so much about the Twitter community is I don't see a lot of competition between authors, bloggers, readers, you know, anything like that, because you know, when I, when I read most of what I read is science fiction, fantasy, thriller, Mm -hmm. psychological, you know, all of those. And 
um, you know, my friend Tiffany, she has her YouTube channel that focuses on cozy mysteries. And I mm-hmm. have, you know, my friend Esther, she reads a lot of, um, mysteries. Um, and then I think my friend Becky, she does a lot of romance. So, you know, we, we aren't in competition with each other. There right. are enough books for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I promise. Yeah. <laughs> Even if every single bookworm on the planet never read the same book as somebody else, there still would be plenty of books for everybody. Definitely. And... There definitely would be. And and how do you, so that's your genres that you're sort of drawn to and you're out there and you're blogging and, and um, you're out there creating these podcasts and whatnot. How do you decide what book to read? You know, how does that come to you? It, you know, as a, as a book blogger, as a reader, is it the cover that draws you in? Is it the blurb on the back? Is it that somebody told you this was fantastic? You know, it's very interesting to me as a writer when we're out there trying to market ourselves. Like, what is the reader looking at? You know, what is you? I know what I look at as a reader, but I don't know if that's different because I'm also a writer. So what is your process? How do you pick a book? I I have two, two main criteria. Um, well, three, technically. One, I look at the genre. Um, because I have two genres that I just, well, three, <laughs> I swear I can talk. Um, I have about three genres that I really just tend to shy away from because most of what I read in those genres, it just, it doesn't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are historical fiction, romance, um, whether, whether it be romantic comedy or anything like that. And then the third one is erotica. Yep. Um, I I just tend to shy away from those. And, you know, historical fiction, I'm just not a fan of history. Um, <laughs> I, I had a really bad history teacher when I was in high school. And <laughs> she just kind of ruined history for me. Um, and I will occasionally read a romance but it's so rare and I rarely will review one on my blog simply because it's not my preferred genre and I don't, and and I don't want to give the illusion for lack of a better word that I Mm -hmm. am a romance blogger because I'm not. Right. Um, And then (laughs) And then I don't review erotica and I read very, very, very little of it because my mom follows my blog. <laughs> and that is just, totally understandable. Sorry, that is just not something you want to write about that your mom is going to read. Um, yep. And I'm not even sure if my mom listens to this podcast, but if she does, you're welcome. <laughs> um, And, you know, and my sister follows my blog as well, but she's, you know, she wouldn't look at it the same way that my mom would, you know, my mom would be like, what is she reading that for? She's what? And, you know, so I just tend to shy away from those. Um, and the, the main thing that gets me on a book is, um, the blurb and, you know, and I have read, I have had authors send me emails through my blog saying, you know, hey, I've, you know, met you on Twitter, I follow you, um, and I think this, you know, I think my book might be a good choice for you. I will read the blurb and, you know, being a picky bookworm, yep. you know, I, I know pretty quickly if I will or will not enjoy that book. Um, based on the blurb and, you know, so then I will email the author back with a yes or a no. And if it's no, I try to be as kind as possible Yeah. because my saying no does not mean your book is bad. Right. It's, you know, and I don't, I don't ever, 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 ever want to give an author 
the thought that I think that I think their book is bad because yep. it's, you know, I won't kick somebody's baby. <laughs> you know, I have mentioned that before, especially on this podcast. I do not, if I am going to bash a book, I will not name the title or the author. And I will, and I will. That's very different. You know, you're unique for that. I mean, there are plenty of people out there that are book blogging that take their swipes. And there's also a lot of book bloggers that I've seen that, you know, really don't give more than a three, which is kind of a C in the grade of five stars um, yeah. world. And so, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that sort of enjoy that sort of drama that's created when they're, when they're bashing around a book, whether it's indie or not, not necessarily that it's just in the yeah, indie community. If, so that, that is rare. If a book, if a book is mainstream or more mainstream, I should say, um, I, I won't hold back as much. Um, I don't give star ratings on my blog. Yep. Um, yep. I think, I, I hope at least that my readers appreciate that because for me, it's assigning an arbitrary number yep. to my opinion. You know, I, I would rather tell you, this is what I liked about this book. This is what I didn't like about this book. Yeah. You, you as my blog reader, take those two things Put them together and form your own opinion about whether you would enjoy that book. You know, and I and I have seen plenty of other book bloggers that they assign star yeah. ratings. And that's fine. If I were going on Amazon or Goodreads, I would assign a star rating. Yep. I rarely go below a four. Um, because I am so picky and I picked my my blog name because I truly am a very picky bookworm I'm so picky about what I will choose to read that it's rare for me to find one I did not enjoy mm. you know I so think... that process of getting to the book itself is so rigorous if you will that you know, it would be, it would be strange that you would get to the end of it and not like it. So yeah. right off the back, there's sort of an assumption that you like, it's, it's just a very interesting process as a reader. And I think that's, you know, how you pick a book is, is different, uh, obviously for, for everyone and just myself personally, you know, I, I tried to be, I try to be as supportive as I can to the indie community. And I read a lot of indie work, but Generally, I don't review unless it's a four or a five or at least won't put it out publicly. And if I read your book and didn't enjoy it or couldn't get through it, I usually reach out directly to the author. I don't put anything online because I just don't think that there's a need for that. I don't think that that's, that's no. helpful. And I don't think you're doing anything for your yourself when you do that. I don't think you're doing anything for, for the author um, when you do that. But yeah, it's, it's, it can be devastating. I think there's a lot of people out there that wield that power um without thinking about that you know especially if it's your first couple of reviews i mean for you for your first couple of reviews to come in and be a three or less uh can be really difficult you know especially yeah. as an indie author you're out there trying to pedal your work and trying to build your name and the first couple of reviews to have it be a three or less can be a lasting effect that could take a long time to get over if you even get over it. So just yeah. for myself personally, I'm similar to you. I, I, a lot of people ask me to read their work. A lot of people ask me to share reviews out on Twitter um, and, and out on Instagram. And I, I won't do it if it's less than a four. I'll just email or contact the author directly and say, you know, this, and, and my critiques are very heartfelt. You know, I don't, they're not personal. And it's just for me, you know, this is what I didn't like or what I didn't enjoy and why I feel I can't do it, but I hope you keep writing and I'll keep supporting you in every way I can. Yeah. And I, I think that's a much better way to be. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I try for all of my reviews to be very honest and, mm -hmm. you know, I think by making what I choose to read more rigorous by being more picky in that aspect. You know, if I'm accepting your book, chances are you're going to get a ton of support from me. You're going to get yep. a very heartfelt, very positive review from me. Um, 
and you know I had you know a, I had one book last year that it wasn't a very I tried to make it as kind as possible and I was honest about it but I don't think it was the nicest review um, because I have worked in the mental health and social services field for a long time and I have seen what trauma does to people and sexual trauma to be more specific and in this book one of the characters had been um a sex slave for like 10 years she gets rescued and two about two weeks later she's in bed with the guy that rescued her mm. and you know my first thought was no <laughs> I'm sorry, but no, never would happen. No. no, it just, that's something like that just would not happen in, you know, and it was meant to be almost, almost real life, but not quite, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, you're, you're a human being. You're not in a fantasy world. Yeah. That just would not happen. You know, and so I probably wasn't the nicest that I could have been with that review, but at the same time, I had to be honest about mm -hmm. my review and, you know, for the most part, you know, especially so far this year, I've been thrilled with the books that I have read so far this yeah. year. Um, and, you know, Ascension of the Phoenix by Jessica Pirro you know, she had, she had sent me her book last year and I only just got to it. I felt so bad about that. But by the time I read it, you know, I knew I had accepted it for review for a reason. Mm -hmm. But by the time I actually read it, I had completely forgotten what it was supposed to be about. <laughs> <laughs> so I went into this book completely blind and by page three, I'm like, okay, she is hashtag goals, the main character. <laughs> she was amazing. She was so strong. She was just a total badass. And, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, digging this book. About halfway through, my mom was over and I'm telling her, I'm like, okay, mom, you need this book. I'm like, <laughs> you know, half, maybe two thirds of the way through this book. I hadn't even finished it yet. And I told my mom, I'm like, mom, you need this book. My mom goes immediately on Kindle and buys it. Yeah. And I'm like, that just, that gave me such an immense feeling of power <laughs> that, yeah. you know, that I had, that I had that effect on somebody. Yeah. That yeah. you're influencing in that way, that, yeah. which I think, you know, it's a very interesting world that you're in, that you're part of, right? There's a lot of book bloggers out there and how they wield that influence and how they wield that power um, makes a difference. And it, it is interesting to me to see how is, how is this world changing, right? Like yeah. the publishing industry in, in and of itself, it used to be, if you were a writer, you know, your barriers to publication were really the fact that you had to get through a publisher or you couldn't be published. And right. so Amazon came along and knocked that down, you know, now 10 years ago now, 12 years ago now, um, really, really, truly opened it up. I mean, it's been longer, but really the last 10 years has been quite a knocking down of those barriers to publication. Um, but now there's a different barrier. You know, when I talk about it with other authors, I said, now your next barrier, newly created barrier, are the bloggers, are the book bloggers, because there's a lot of people out there now saying there's so much material, right? There's so much new material out there. There's so many new books. I almost don't know where to start, or I almost don't know where to go. So therefore, I'm going to come here to this book blogging world, and I'm going to wait for them to tell me what's really great and what's worth taking a chance on. So I think as a, as a self-published author, it's very interesting to see how different that is, how the world has changed. And even amongst the book bloggers, how much that world has changed is so many more now today than yeah. they were even five years ago. 
Yeah, and to be honest, when I started the Piggy Bookworm, I almost thought I was the only one. I know that's, that sounds horrible, but I had absolutely no idea how yeah. huge the book blogging yep. and the book community world was, you know, because growing up, you know, we had the library and we had bookstores yeah. and we had, you know, mainstream books. We didn't have e-readers. We didn't have Kindle. We didn't have Nook. Right. We didn't have, you know, smartphones where we could download these apps and read these books. You know, we had, you know, so our world, our reading world was very, very small. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we could only get those books that our local libraries had. Luckily, you know, my city county library system is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, we have so many locations and we have so many, um, you know, areas that we serve. So, you know, our, our community was, was rather large. Small towns didn't have that. You know, so they had to either go to the big cities to go to the libraries or they had to drive an hour and a half to a bookstore to get books, you know, and they didn't even have as much, as many shipping options yeah, to have books shipped out. And so the, the book world has grown by leaps and bounds with the inventions of the e-readers and you know, Amazon shipping because they're, you know, cheap, (laughs) which is great. And, you know, and I think that that's wonderful, you know, that, that our world has grown so big. Um, you know, and one thing that, um, and I'm going to change the subject, um, just real quick. And well, you one, are the host. You get to do that. <laughs> one thing that um, I would like to say um, and that you have done very well is when it comes to marketing and selling your book, don't don't just sell your book and expect people to buy it. Mm-hmm. You know, one one person that I think did um, did it did a fantastic job of this was Laura Quinn, um, when she wrote oil and water, you know, she went, she went on Twitter and, you know, started following a bunch of people and making friends and commenting and engaging with people and, you know, making all of these friends. And then once she had built her name as, Oh, that's my friend. Then she said, Oh, Hey, by the way, I've got this book coming out. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, her, yep. you know, all of her friends were like, oh, well, I got to get, yeah, I got to get part of that. You know, yep. this is my friend. I got to support my friend and bought her book, loved her book. Her book was amazing. Mm-hmm. And so then they told their friends, you know, and so right. she did, she did a wonderful job of that. And I think that you do a wonderful job of that as well is you market yourself Yep. Before your book. You yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how long Laura was out there. So I'm, I'm, I didn't even, I'm pretty close to Laura as well and loved her book, Oil and Water, and reviewed it five stars. Um, can't wait for, for other things she's got going on. A couple of collaborations she's got going on that are pretty I exciting. Know. I need her um, sequel, like really bad. Illusion uh, and Ash. Yeah. I need her yeah. sequel. So, you know, I've talked to, talked to her at length and been on a couple of shows with her and been on her, you know, done a podcast with her, uh, not a podcast, a, a, a video that she shot with a couple of different authors. But, you know, I do think that as a, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I have a book and I want to write a book. You know, I've always been very happy to talk to authors that are coming out or that that haven't had their book out that want to talk about it. But you do have to not just market the book. You have to market yourself. You are building a brand. Right. Yeah. And, the, and what is that brand? What are you building? Um, who is it that you want to be? Um, and that matters because that's how you go out onto social media and find your groups. And for me, it was all about, you know, I'm I'm older, a certain place in my life. And I really love 
um, the mentoring aspect of what I do in my everyday job. And I wanted to sort of take that a little bit with me into, into this. And so whatever I learned, I was happy to share. And so there's a lot of my brand that's been built around that. And I couldn't be happier about that. So yeah. for me, it was all about being positive, you know, keeping your head up, supporting one another, doing what you could for each other. And then if somebody has questions for you, or if there's something you can do to help somebody, you do it, you, know, you go out there and you, you do that. But that's not the brand for everybody, right? So people that are listening are like, well, that's not really my skill set, or that's not where my passion is, or I don't really like that aspect, or maybe I'm not an extrovert, you know, maybe I'm more of an introvert. And so that's not something that I could do. Just give that some thought before you go out onto social media. I think the number one thing that happens to a lot of people when they, they hit social media, it's like, okay, I, got, I opened all the accounts, you know, I got all the accounts I'm supposed to have, I have my one everywhere. Now what's the content I'm putting out? And it becomes this really stressful thing of finding your place, you know, finding what it is you're trying to build, finding who it is you're trying to attract and market to. And I just tell people, give that some thought before you start building your content, before you start putting yourself out there and, and, and associating with certain people and joining certain people in certain groups that will really help you because then you have something you're aspiring to because let's face it it's not book sales every day right that okay. that mostly what you're doing out there every day is building up a following building up a base building up these relationships that you had so that further books down the line again that your numbers increase every time you write a new book you're not going to get it all in book one and you're certainly not going to get it all right i've made tons of mistakes and I'm always happy to, to talk to people, to new authors about that. And I think that makes a difference. It seems to have resonated with people in particular out on Twitter. I mean, the following that I've been able to build over the last year has been just unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I sometimes look at those numbers. I'm like, they're not real. Like I tell my husband all the time, like, I don't know what Twitter did, but obviously it's a mistake. Like this can't <laughs> be real. And he's like, no, Jen, it is like that. Yeah, I, there. I feel the same way, you know, I, my following isn't, isn't even as big as, you know, some people's and I still look at those numbers and, you know, it goes up by, you know, one a day and I'm thrilled. I'm like, yeah, Oh, one yeah. more person that likes yeah. what I have to say. And, <laughs> you know, and I, right. And I, you know, even as, you know, a book blogger and creative, um, I, you know, I have tried to build my brand around, you know, the Piggy Bookworm brand around help, you know, and helpfulness yep. and kindness. And, you know, which is one of the reasons why I you won't ever hear me mention an author by name if I'm bashing them or mention a book by yep. name if I'm bashing it. Because that, that is not quote unquote on brand for me. You know, my, yep. I have tried to build, you know, because I, I'm a nice person. I like to believe I'm a nice person. I'm a <laughs> kind person. I, you know, even in my everyday life, I, I try to be kind and respectful and, you know, treat people with dignity. And so I just kind of took that attitude toward the human race into my brand and just kind of incorporated it you know, and told, you know, and kind of just said to the world, I am here. Yes, I am the picky bookworm. No, I won't read all of your books, but I will be kind to you and yeah. I will support you when I can. And I will help you when I can, even if it's taking your poetry book that I will never read because I'm not a big poetry fan and creating a candle around that poetry book to help you sell your book. You know, yep. that people can light that candle and read your poetry and have just kind of that immersive feeling, you know. Yep. And so that's just kind of what I've built the Picky Bookworm brand around is kindness to all. Yeah. Um, well, there's not, en there's not enough of that, right? It was certainly not even remotely enough of it uh in today's world so it's it's fantastic to meet other people that feel like that's a mission is that we should all be a little nicer to one another and more helpful and that you know I always look at it like I try to remember where I was a year ago I try to remember where I was two years ago when the book wasn't complete 
and try to think back to that time and some of the struggles that related to that and think, you know, if I can have this five minute conversation or answer this person's message or, you know, give them a quick little comment on their post where they're struggling and that makes it a little, e- little easier for them, then I would have wanted that back then and appreciated it when it came back then. And so you just try to sort of pay that forward. And I think if more people were like that, this would be a much better place. Yes, you know, and and I think that the the book community is like that in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do still every once in a while I'll see, you know, like a like a crappy rating on somebody's book or, you know, but that's that's pretty rare, you know, and I think either I have all of those people muted. I, I don't know, maybe they just don't follow me yet. I don't know. Um <laughs> You know, but that's, you know, one thing that I try to keep in my Twitter feed is positivity. You know, I don't want to go, I don't want to go on my social media and see negative, 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 negative. Right. You know, I had a cousin on Facebook that I, I didn't unfriend her because she's family but I did un unfollow yeah. her so that she yeah. didn't end up in my newsfeed on Facebook because I could, it was constant negativity. And that is just not the kind of person that I am. That's not the kind of yep. person that I choose to be. And that's not what I choose to surround myself with. And, yeah. you know, and that's one of the things that I love about my Twitter feed is I go on there and every once in a while, I'll see somebody having a bad day. Yeah. That is perfectly fine. Have yeah. your bad days. Do not be afraid to talk about your bad days. But it's not constant, and it's not everybody, yeah. and it's not complete. You know, it's not totally negative all the time. And right. that's what I, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy about you know, my little corner of the Twitterverse (laughs) is, you know, I get to go on there and, you know, run across, you know, oh, that's my friend. I better comment, you know, and, you know, just, you know, I've been able to make friends from all around the world and, you know, through the podcast, I've been able to visit face to face with them. And, you know, it's, it's just been a wonderful experience for me. And, you know, I hope that my presence on Twitter helps Twitter be a wonderful experience for somebody else. And, you know, just multiply that because that's what I'm there for is to help your life experience be a little bit more positive and a little bit kinder. For sure. Sure. I totally agree. Um, Okay. So we are almost to an hour. It has been crazy (laughs) how quickly this has flown. Um, one of the things that I like to ask my guests is, what are you reading currently? I just, actually, I'm reading um, another indie author's book called Realm by Jessica Cantwell. And Jessica and I became friendly on um, Instagram, and I interviewed her on, for one of my um, little YouTube videos that I do, little author videos that I do. And part of the reason that we sort of got very close on Instagram was the fact that we have something in common, which is not good or bad necessarily, but we both have multiple sclerosis. So she was out on Instagram one day talking about MS and some of the trials and tribulations that happened. And we got to talking and we talked more and more. And then finally she came on the show. And so um, that is the book that I am reading, but I'm very much enjoying it. So it's a fantasy book. Um, but just she's a great storyteller, and I could tell that once I met her and I, in, in doing the interview, I could tell that about her. So um, that is what I am currently reading. Oh, that's yeah, that's great. I um, yeah, one thing that I have noticed is um, I am more likely to read a book if I have met the author and like the author. Mm, you know, yeah, that's true. That's true. So yeah, I had. Um, I had finished, and I I swear I mentioned this book every episode since I've read this book, um, but Tim Cagle wrote a book called Unexpected Enemy, 
and you know, and I hadn't really had a chance to really talk to him much um, on Twitter, but he had asked if I would read his book, and I loved it. Like, I could not put it down. I had to know what happened next. Yeah. And I love those books. When I run across those books, um, and it's that's really rare, you know, because most because I'm so yep. picky that, you know, most yeah. books I'm like, you know, yeah, I'm really enjoying this book, but if I need to go do this over here, then I can put this down and I'll be fine. Yep. That book was not like that. <laughs> it was, yep. I don't care that I haven't had dinner for three hours. No, I need to finish this book. You know, that was just kind of how I felt about it. And, you know, I had a chance to, you know, follow him on Twitter and get, you know, get in touch with him and let him know you know, Hey, I finished your book and here's my review and I loved it. And, you know, so it's either, it's one or the other. It's either through your book, I get to know the author or through the author, I get to know your book. It's like usually one or the other. And I love those experiences, you know, either whether they go either way, you know, because, you know, I, I am more likely to read your book if I like you as a person, (laughs) You know, and, you know, so that goes back to marketing yourself. Yeah. You know, and, and finding what makes you fit into the community and just being that person and being authentic, you know, and yeah, I get asked a lot on, you know, I'll see questions on Twitter, um, that just kind of go out there. Are you the same online as you are in person? And my, yeah. and my answer to that is usually in person, I cuss more. That is, <laughs> well, you haven't done any since we've been on. So. I, <laughs> well, because I don't want to have to put an explicit tag on the podcast. That's, that's okay. Yeah. So, you know, but that's, that's usually my answer because, you know, I, one, I have chosen not, I don't cuss on social. It's, yep. it's very, very rare for you to see like even the yeah. mildest cuss word from me on social. And, you know, so, but, it, you know, in all other ways, I, what you see on social, that's how I am. Mm-hmm. And yep. I'm the same. I mean, I'm the same person. So I'm the same person in, in person as I am online. I'm the same you know, on, on the Twitter feed and on Instagram and I'm the same positive and exude the same energy and positive energy as I am in person as I am online and the same in work. I'm this exact same way, even as an accountant, I'm this exact same person in work. And it makes it much easier if you stay authentic to yourself that you don't have to be remembering who you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to be in one place versus another. And I also think that people can see through an inauthentic person. I think so. I don't think you're doing yourself any favors if you're trying to be someone else. You're not going to be good at trying to be someone else. Be yourself. You'll always be better. If you're an introvert, don't try to be extrovert on Twitter. It's not going to work for you. Um, Yeah. You know, I I have noticed, and yes, you can tell the the people that are faking and that are trying. Because they're trying to market themselves. Well, yes and no. You're you're marketing yourself first, but you're not truly marketing yourself. Right. You're marketing who you want us to see. Right. And that is that's not doing yourself any favors at all because people are gonna see through that and they're gonna like you less. I actually think people like fake people. That's like the worst genre, right? Is to be considered fake. Like if someone looks at you and and thinks of your material or the videos that you put together, oh, that's all fake. That's all made up. You don't want that tagline. You want someone to meet you and know that it's really you and that that's real and, and is enjoyable and, and, you know, face it, you can't love everybody. You can't love everyone you meet, but at least if they're real, that's who they are, then you're on good footing. Yeah, I mean, if I if I don't like you, I'd rather it be for who you are rather than who yeah. you're trying to be, you yep. know. And, you know, because if, if I don't like you for who you really are, that's something I can usually get past and find common ground somewhere to where yeah. we can at least be 
friendly, even if we'll never be friends. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but if you're, but if you're faking your way through life, I will dislike you and I probably will never try to find that common ground with you. (laughs) It's just, yeah. <laughs> that's just kind of how my not, world works. That's the line. That's a very it's, black and white view. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so we have about 15 seconds left <laughs> in our hour. It my app only records up to an hour. That's why I try to keep it uh, keep it pretty low. So I am going to say bye bye. <laughs> 